You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. In the name of Jesus, amen. The gospel lesson that is appointed for Epiphany is all about being chosen by God. In other words, it's about the doctrine of election. During Christmas, we learned from St. Luke that God's chosen people had finally received their long-awaited Messiah, their Savior who had saved them from the clutches of sin, from death, and from Satan. Their voices were captured in the canticles of Zechariah, of Mary, and of Simeon. They rejoiced because the Lord had remained faithful to his promises. But here in the Gospel of St. Matthew, the tone is a bit different. Through this Gospel, the Holy Spirit reveals what St. Paul calls the mystery of of Christ. Paul says this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. You see, Jesus isn't merely king of the Jews. He is the savior king of a world, even a world that does not know him. And dear saints, you have been chosen. The Lord comes to be your savior. This is what you learn in the gospel lesson today. The Holy Spirit teaches that Jesus reigns over his citizens of every tribe and race who have been called by grace and blessed with faith. He is your light in this dark night of sin. Jesus shines the light of God's favor, even upon Gentiles. Like I said before, Epiphany teaches to whom God has revealed himself, according to his love and grace, which can only be apprehended through his word, through Jesus Christ, who is the word, made flesh. This is how God wants to be known, through Jesus. But few people know this God. Most people would rather know God beyond or outside of his word. They want to know God in his majesty, unmediated, They want to meet God as an equal. They want to rise up to God to challenge Him because they have been led astray into the delusion that they are like God. When the ancients looked upon the stars, they realized that they could not subdue the heavens in the same way that they could subdue the earth. It was out of reach. The Lord had indeed given them the world to work, but the sky, the vast grandeur of the cosmos, This belonged to Almighty God. So what did the ancients do? They constructed a tower in defiance of their finitude or finiteness. (laughs) They did it because they were ambitious. They wanted to meet God where he was. But all of that was dashed. The Lord scattered them across the face of the earth. The desire to capture what God had not given them came at the price of God's grace and his favor. It brought God's wrath. More than being confused among themselves, they'd also lost the ability to hear and to understand God's word. And it's so tragic that today, countless others run away from God's word, despite the fact that they can understand it in their own language. We may not build towers to reach the heavens, but we've been told by the spirit of this world to place our fear, love, and trust into more 
sophisticated endeavors, certainly of the same spirit of Babel. However, trying to understand and subdue the works of creation through your own wisdom and strength can only take you so far. If you see creation for what it is, that is, you see that it cannot possibly exist without there actually being a God, then you'll know that this God is mighty, that he is full of wonder. But then you have the distressing fact that creation has turned against you. The world quakes with divine rage, and you don't know why. You can study science and philosophy as much as you want. They're not going to give you the answers to those questions. But now in mercy and compassion, the Lord has sent his word to a man named Abram. And among all the people of the world, God chose this man. He gave him a promise that wrestled Abram's faith away from the self-centered conceitedness of heathen desires and replanted it in his creator. The Lord said that he would bless this man with a multitude of descendants. And they, among all the peoples of the earth, were graced with the preaching of a righteousness that was not their own. This is the merciful promise of forgiveness, which bestows the grace and favor of God which had been lost. And by faith in this promise, they alone could stand in God's presence. They alone had comfort, despite the fact that creation was falling apart around them. This is the righteousness that cannot be known or apprehended through your desperate attempts to discern the mysteries of existence in the stars, or to try to capture control of your fate through magic or pagan cults. Now, the Gentiles who practice such things, you would think that they would be far off from God's mind, but that's not the case. They had not been forgotten. Whereas they pursued the meaning in life through searching the heavens, the Lord now casts Abraham's eyes at the same heavens. But instead of Abraham looking at them and, and saying to himself, well, those are nice, the Lord now attaches what to the heavens? A promise, his own word. He says, I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now, it's absolutely true that God's word only came to the Israelites through the mouth of their prophets, but these sermons are saturated with such promises for the Gentiles. And so the people anticipated that the Lord's favor was quickly coming to the people who did not know their Lord. Now in the birth of Jesus, this little baby in Bethlehem, the Lord keeps his promise to Abraham. Through this offspring of Abraham's own flesh, the Lord was working to break men's vain attempts to choose themselves, to place themselves at the center of the universe. He sent his only begotten son with with his own love and mercy, to win from the Father divine favor. How did he do this? You know. Through his obedience unto death. And through this obedience, the entire world could be blessed and could receive the preaching of the forgiving word of God. Now, we don't really know too much about the Magi. These wise men who witnessed the rising of a supernatural star 
It's possible, I think, that, that these guys were astrologers uh, who were searching the rhythm of the heavens to discern their destiny, as was the custom in many of the lands of the ancient, in the ancient world. But I think when they saw this star, they were confused. It baffled them. I don't think they really expected it. Now, if these men were from one of the lands that, uh, uh, where the Jews had settled after they had been exiled there, perhaps in, in Babylonia, then they must have learned from the Jews still living there about their intense anticipation of a coming king who would not only be the king of the Jews forever, but would also draw all the nations of the world to himself. So where else could they go? They had to go to Jerusalem. They had to learn from the Jews' own teachers about their coming king. They desired to acknowledge this king who had such incredible command over the heavens who had the power to bring forth a new star unlike anything that they had ever seen before. And so when they arrived at Jerusalem, what did they ask? They said, Where is he who has been born of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. And it was there in Jerusalem that they received the word of God through the teaching of the prophets, specifically through the prophet Micah. And you, O Bethlehem of Judea, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And so do you remember in the same way that Abraham had a promise that was bound to the stars? Now, these magi had a promise that was bound to this star that was leading them first to Jerusalem and then to the nearby town of Bethlehem. And behold, the star that they had seen, when it rose, went before them, until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house they saw the child with Mary his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. Why did they rejoice? They rejoiced because God himself had chosen them to be led to Bethlehem through hearing his word. This is what the star did. It merely drove them back to this promise that they had received from the prophet Micah. They rejoiced because they had the privilege and the honor of finally seeing the king who rules both over the Jews and the Gentiles with a kingdom of grace. They worshiped Jesus with their gifts as a confession of faith. It was their praise and thanksgiving for finally being included with the true people of God who hear the word of God and believe it. And you, dear friends, have been chosen. The Lord has attached his word to the ordinary stuff in this world. Stuff like water in your baptism. To stuff like bread and wine in the Lord's Supper. The Lord assures you that this baptism, even though the world looks at it and says it's only water, that this baptism saves you. The Lord promises through his word that though it looks like bread and wine, it is truly Christ's body, that it is his blood that he grants forgiveness through. This is how he chooses you. This is how he blesses you with his favor. And now seeing with faith 
the light of God's favor in Jesus, you rejoice exceedingly with great joy because you have been chosen and your salvation has finally come. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.